Welcome to the Renaissance Christian Church Podcast. We're a church family with the mission of seeking God, serving others, and sharing the gospel. We're grateful that you have joined us as we study through the Bible, and we hope that it brings you encouragement and inspiration for your daily life. Here's Pastor Jared Saavedra. So 2 Corinthians chapter 9 again is where we'll be. As I was thinking about um, Thanksgiving and, and looking at this, this passage in, of Scripture in particular, I was thinking about one of Charles Dickens's book. Um, you might have also seen the movie, but it's, it's Great Expectations. It's one of his shorter books, you know, only like 300 pages or something like that. And if you don't know the story of Great Expectations, um, it kind of follows the formula of other Dickens novels. And um, there, there's a boy named Pip. And um, it's short for Philip, but he, uh, Philip, but and his name is Pip, and he's kind of a poor child. And suddenly, uh, a man named uh, I think it's Mr. Jaggers or something. He's a lawyer. Comes to him, and he informs him that he has a benefactor. He has someone who's willing to support him and give him money and give him an education and basically make him a gentleman. So through all this money, he has this, through this secret benefactor. He moves to London and kind of lives a, a lavish life. But really. Uh, on, on, other, on all occasions, on all counts, Pip can't say that he's really a self-made man because he's really the recipient of a benefactor. And often, you know, when we see that trope of like, a, you know, a secret donor or like a secret benefactor in movies and books, we kind of think, wouldn't it be great to just have someone who just funded all my pursuits? But really, in, in many ways, I mean, we have a great benefactor who is... God, who provides for our needs and who even gives us the life and, and the breath we need to live. And so when we approach Thanksgiving, we think we should think in, in those terms that we really do have a great benefactor in God. We have a great provider in the Lord who provides for our needs. And that's what we recognize on Thanksgiving. And really, I, I feel very passionately about Thanksgiving. It's my favorite holiday. I just love it so much. Not just because of the food, but you know, because it's so scriptural and it's because it's so biblical. It reminds us that we are not self-made people. We are not um, people who simply bring ourselves up by our bootstraps, but we are indebted to the great and the awesome and the loving goodness of God who is the great giver in the first place. And as I prayed, um, we, we still have to consider the fact that 2020, especially this year, has been really an objectively great year of loss for, for many of us. You know, many of us have faced loss of income, the loss of time, the loss of hope, even, even the loss of people close to us. And so for this year, and I think it's, it's very appropriate, we're just going to spend some needed time looking at and recognizing first what God does for us, and what, how God gives His gifts to us. And so, for that reason, we're going to look at a text, 2 Corinthians 9, um, starting in verse 6, which is not only about thankfulness, which is good, but it's also going to talk a little bit about thankfulness, the cause and even the effect of thankfulness, which is generosity and how that relates to the original um, the, the original gifts that God gives to us. 
Because it's God's original generosity that makes us not only thankful people, that makes us not only have thankful hearts, but it also makes us cheerful givers ourselves. So let's go ahead and read 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse, uh, starting in verse 6. Paul is writing to the Corinthians, and he says, The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all things, all grace, I should say, abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from the confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. And then Paul closes with this exclamation, Thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift. So we're going to kind of look at the heart of giving for a little bit. And this is Thanksgiving, especially after Thanksgiving, is a time in which a lot of us start to think about giving. Not only thinking about giving to uh, giving Christmas presents to loved ones as Christmas kind of um, gets kicked into high gear after Thanksgiving. But it's also, you know, a, a time of giving to, to charities and organizations. You might have heard of, you know, the, the Tuesday following Thanksgiving, which is traditionally, traditionally called Giving Tuesday. Um, I think it started 10 or so years ago, and it's, it's a great success, and it's where nonprofit organizations and charities raise millions of dollars to affect change in this world. Giving Tuesday is all, I should say, hashtag Giving Tuesday is, is all about that. I think that's how they brand it. But they, they're raising money for organizations. We might think, well, is, is what the world is doing and is what you know, my church does in particular any different? In other words, when Paul is talking about giving, is he just talking about, you know, just be generous, just feed the poor and provide for people, which is a good thing. But we think, well, is that any different than what these charities out that are, that are secular, that are run by maybe non-Christians or atheists are doing? What's different about the Christian? Is the church just simply another charitable organization? Well, for Paul... And as we see in this text, giving takes on a completely new significance for the Christian. Giving takes on a completely new significance for the believer. Now Paul, I have to admit, I caught him kind of in mid-thought right here. Because the subject of what he's talking about to the Corinthians is he's following up with the Corinthians about their evident kind of intention to make a gift They've promised, evidently, a financial gift to, for the ministry of the saints. And maybe that kind of, maybe you've made a promise, you know, 
oh yeah, of course I'll do that, you know, maybe it was five months ago and someone calls you on the promise and you're thinking, oh, do I even have the time or the money or the resources to follow up on this promise? Well, Paul's following up on this promise to the Corinthians. But Paul explains that he doesn't want them to feel obligated to give. He wants them to give out of the change and a stirring in their heart which God kind of is bringing about within them. Because it's the heart that God sees. And so he encourages them to give according to the grace that God supplies to them. And that's something that we should be reminded of as well. When we're asked to give, maybe when we're asked to serve this year, maybe when we're asked to give, even for a benevolent fund, we think, oh, do we have you know, the resources? Do we have the time? Well, Paul is saying that God supplies us with an abundance of grace so that we might give out of the gifts that God gives to us. And so again, I must emphasize, when we're anticipating Thanksgiving and we anticipate maybe the obligations that come with Thanksgiving, the cooking, the cleaning, the hosting of family. If you're hosting family this year, I know it's very different. We must understand that God is the original giver, and God is the one who supplies us, as Christians especially, with the grace to give to others. We are the beneficiaries of God's goodness, and God's people should recognize that more than anyone else. I'm a perennially, like almost like... Ref- uh, what's the word? It's almost like a reflex, my, my giving thanks. You know, I, I say to the, the drive through person, thank you. I say to, the, you know, the, the person who gets the door, thank you. And, you know, that might be good. But sometimes I think I don't, I don't say it with, with meaning. And I think that there's something like this, observing what, what we're going to look at in this chapter, helps us to understand that maybe we just simply don't say thank you enough. And there are several even more ways we can give thanks to God by giving and being generous. I think Christians, of course, as I'll just underscore a little bit more, should be the ones to lead the way in generosity, knowing that God supplies us with all goodness. I was thinking of the fact that I was, I was a weird kid. And my, one of my favorite things to do was to get the TV remote, and actually, this this was a little bit later with those few later TVs, maybe in the late 90s, but I would go and do the automatic scan and see, like, if how many new channels I could get, and it was almost like Christmas every time I got a new channel, like, oh, this this PBS channel came in from, like, the San Diego area, I was picking up that that channel, and you might think, this this is really lame, Jared, what are you talking about? Well, I think as Christians, it's kind of the same way, where we kind of re-scan our own lives, and we rescan the scriptures to find out how much more we can be thankful for. So I would encourage you in your own life and in your own celebration of Thanksgiving to rescan your life and to rescan the scriptures in reminding yourself that God gives you so many blessings. And you know, there are two ways in which we might think about God's blessings to us, two um, kind of larger categories which we're going to look at here. Firstly, we should understand that we enjoy really general blessings from God. These are blessings that um, everyone in life, whether they're a Christian or whether they're an atheist, really are indebted to God for because these are general blessings that come from God from His goodness. This is what theologians call kind of common grace. That this is simply the grace of God in His regular common goodness. Not common as in, you know, 
um, cubic zirconium or kind of like worthless, but common as in, you know, it's something that we can all relate to. For instance, you know, we might think of, you know, a nice cup of coffee. An atheist and a Christian can enjoy this, but really it's, we should thank God for it because it's something that God has allowed us to enjoy. And this is kind of what Paul's point is, the, the abundant generosity of God to give us this grace in many ways. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 9, he quotes Psalm 112, verse 9, which says, He has distributed pre, uh, freely, He has given to the poor. So every joy in life, we should understand, is really coming from the fountainhead of God's goodness. All the way down to the coffee we have in the morning and the food we enjoy and a nice sunset. And I want to quote to you kind of an interesting passage of Scripture that I don't hear quoted often, especially in sermons. Um, It's in Ecclesiastes verse 2, verses 24 through 25, where the writer of Ecclesiastes, who is um, King Solomon, says this, This is something that I think Christians and atheists and everyone in between can relate to. It says this, There is nothing better for a person that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. Isn't that a great verse? And you might think, Jared, Jared, what are you talking about? You know, like, the... um, isn't, isn't knowing God better? Well, the context right here is, is that Solomon is talking about just the, the hardness of life, the dis- difficulties we face, the afflictions we face in life. Shouldn't we just simply enjoy the life that God has given to us? And he continues in Ecclesiastes um, ver- uh, chapter 2, verse 25, and this is something that you know, atheists might disagree with, but he says this, This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from Him who can eat, or who can have enjoyment. No matter where we are in life, we should recognize that all the goodness that we experience really does find its origin from the great giver, the great original giver, the very first cause of all goodness and gifts, and that is God. So these are the general gifts that we all enjoy, even as Christians, and I think Christians should especially enjoy. When you look at a sunset, just say, thank you, God. You know, when you, when you have a Tommy's chili cheeseburger, you say, thank you, God. Maybe that's just me. But secondly, I want to note that Christians in particular enjoy particular blessings from God. That's our kind of second kind of type of blessings we should think about. Paul notes in verse 11, to the believers, to the church, in Corinthian, to the church of Corinth, he says, you will be enriched in every way to be generous. God's special blessing for Christians is really to enrich them with this special grace. It's a special grace from the hand of God. A special favor that we don't deserve. John 1.16 would call this grace upon grace. This is grace upon grace which we don't deserve. And it's extended favor from the hand of the Lord which we don't merit, if you will. What is this grace, you might ask? Because you might be thinking, well, like money is tight right now. Can I convert this grace into like U.S. currency and, and have some, some money? Well, it's a favor from God that's not vulnerable to theft. It's not vulnerable to inflation or loss or bankruptcy or any kind of instability. Because as Paul reminds us elsewhere in the book of Ephesians, this is a, a hoard of spiritual riches that we have in God. 
not only, and they're, they're, they're kind of riches that not only can we use them maybe uh, if, we're, if we're blessed financially from these things to, to spend them in some ways, but they are riches that actually change us on the inside. Just look at um, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 5-10. through 10. We're just going to look at a few of these. Let me turn there with you. So these are the special graces that come from God through Christ. In verse 5, Paul says, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. You understand what kind of riches these are? These are incredible. In verse 8, he says, which the grace which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. Let me just pull out a few things from this passage of Scripture. Number one, one of the blessings that Christians have is spiritual adoption. They have the right to be called sons and daughters of God. And it's not simply the right to a name, it's the right to all the spiritual blessings to inherit um, even after they die, because they will inherit heaven. And not only will they inherit heaven, but they really do have the promises of God supplying for their needs on earth. Because if you are the son or daughter of God, you're not going to face um, any kind of need that God doesn't want you to face. And so God provides particularly for His children. He takes care of His children. And we should remember that. Is it, is it material things? Yes, God provides for our material needs indeed. But is it spiritual blessings? Yes, so much more. Secondly, we have the forgiveness of sins which are here, which is huge because it's our sins that separate us from God. It's our sins that incite our hearts to rebellion against God and to deny God and to push away from God. But right here we're saying that in Christ, our sins have been forgiven because we have redemption through the blood of Christ. This is a great gift. This is a magnificent gift because there's nothing else on earth there's no other way in this world where we can have forgiveness of sins. There's no way where we can get rid of our trespasses that we have against God. And there's no other way we can reunite ourselves to God. Thirdly, we have wisdom and insight. You notice in verse 8 and 9, He lavished on us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ. The, the wisdom and insight right here is, is the wisdom we get as a Christian, is the insight we get from God's Word. And most importantly, the end goal of all this is to know and to be satisfied in God. We, have a, we are born with a spiritual thirst really to know God, to be satisfied in something, and nothing in this world can satisfy us but to know God. And that's what Paul is saying. That's, that's part of the hoard of spiritual riches that we have in Christ. So those are the special graces. Those are the special blessings that Christians can enjoy and that we can be thankful for. And so it follows, when we look at these blessings that 
um, Christians really are, or I should say, Christians should be the best givers. Because the grace of God enables and empowers our own generosity. And I should note for, for all of us here that this kind of generosity that we should show and that happens when the grace of God makes a change in our own hearts to, to save us and to forgive us our sins and to give us wisdom and insight in His Word. When we do good things, this is not mere reciprocity in that, oh, God scratched my back, so I'm going to scratch His back by doing this kind of thing. But no, what's actually, happening in, what's actually happening when we're actually truly generous is that God, we're showing that God has changed us on the inside, and therefore I can't help but serve Him with my life. And when other people look at my own life, they can see the blessing of God, and they themselves can give thanks for not only the blessing of maybe my service in this world, my practical giving to others, but also the glory of God that is seen in me when I do serve. So the grace of God gives us occasion, and it gives us reason to be generous. Knowing that everything we have, we have not earned necessarily, but actually comes from God. You might think, Jared, I worked 80 hours last week. You're telling me that I did not earn the things that I have? Well, let me quote to you Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. Moses says, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the power to get wealth that He may confirm, confirm His covenant that He swore to your fathers as it is this day. No, of course, does God give people differing amounts of wealth? Well, yeah. But honestly, I'd, and that's really up to God, how much wealth He gives me, how much wealth He gives another person. But I'd rather have a little bit of wealth and recognize that it comes from God than live my life in presumption thinking that I'm a self-made person and then die without God in eternity, and realize that all my wealth was worthless. And so we are to see why these gifts are given to us. And Paul gives us a couple reasons. In other words, the implication here is that when you have gifts from God, which we know is an objective fact, we should not simply hoard them, but we should be giving them away. So the reason these gifts are given to us, we see right here, um, in verse 11 uh, and 12, Paul says, You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. So first of all, we should note that these gifts are given to us to be given away. As they are freely given to us, we can give them away without anxiety or worry. We can give them away because God has given them to us in the first place. So we don't have to feel some kind of sense of ownership or, or stubborn jealousy when, when we think people are coming after our funds. We think, oh, the church is asking for money in this way. The church is asking for money. Well, when you realize that it's not your money, it's not really your time, it's a gift from God, we have less notion investment and attachment to it. And we don't let money or those things become an idol in our hearts. But secondly, as Paul continues to make this connection to the Corinthians, he says these are to be given away. You're supposed to be generous with these. He says this is a good thing to do. But also the end goal is to bring thanksgiving and uh, glory to God. 
We might call this the ministry within the ministry. That yes, of course, there's ministry in charity. There's ministry in collecting a benevolence fund for people who are needy around the church. But the end goal of the ministry is not simply to fill their, their bellies or to clothe them, but it's rather to, for them to know God and to give glory to God. Um, it's not on the screen, but in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, a, a passage we've gone over a couple times this year, Jesus tells us to let our light shine before others. Why? So they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The end of all things, the end of life is to bring glory to God. And really, that's why we have a Thanksgiving day. is to make sure there's a time set apart to give glory to God. And so when we perform charity to others, it's not to make... They're simply to make their lives better or to even make us look good, but it's again to bring thanksgiving, their thanksgiving even, to God. And that's what Paul says. So let's look a little bit about what these gifts of God really tell us about God Himself and God's nature when He's giving to us. I just want to go over three things really quickly with you about what we should learn from God, and then we'll actually um, trans- start to transition into a time of communion where we're remembering and we're receiving the elements in thanks to God. So what does God's generosity and God's original gifts, what does this tell us about God? Well, we should note, number one, that God is a cheerful giver. God is not a miser. Um, it was Joel Beakey, the uh, theologian, who said, the God who loves the cheerful giver is Himself the infinitely cheerful and all-sufficient giver. Do you realize that when God gives gifts, it's out of His good pleasure? It's not simply that He kind of wakes up a little bit early and says, oh, you know, we, they have some needs and uh, I better, you know, reluctantly give them what they need. No, God loves to give gifts. God is the best giver, and God is a happy giver. Look at Luke chapter 12, uh, verse 20, uh, 32 through 33. Um, I, I'll read it to you. It says, Jesus is speaking, and He says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you what? Oh, a loaf of bread or something? No, He says to give you the kingdom. The kingdom of God. He says, and then Jesus proceeds to say, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail or no thief approaches and no moth destroys. What is Jesus saying? Well, He's applying this concept of God's cheerful uh, gifts and God's cheerful generosity to a practical level. He's saying, well, if God loves to give you these things, then you can depend on the character of God to give you all things, to even inherit the very kingdom of God. So all these things you think important on on earth, maybe physical possessions, are not as important as the treasure that you have in heaven. And secondly, which is kind of related to the first point, we should learn that God is a generous giver. Really think about it. What does God hold back from us? Or what do you maybe think God is holding back from you? Because according to the Scriptures, God acts extremely generous toward us. You might be thinking, oh, I didn't get that that Lego set when I was eight, so like, I'm, I don't know if God's really generous to me. But Paul would disagree with you because in Romans chapter 8, verse 32, he says, He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, will He not also give Him 
With Him, give us graciously all things. So why should we presume that God is stingy? That God is some kind of miser who tries to hoard His wealth? To His own people, He gave His only Son. And thirdly, we should note that God is a gracious giver. He gives without regard to our own merits, our own deserving of His gifts. Those to whom He extends special grace that we talk about. Special grace is an adoption of of, uh, sons and daughters as the sons and daughters of God. Those people do not deserve it. We as Christians do not deserve it. If you're not a believer even today, you might think, oh, you know, these Christians, they think they have a special blessing from God. They think they're better than me. We do not because we look at the Scriptures and we think, well, we're not deserving of this because we are miserable, condemned sinners. But God of His own grace and His own love gives us a great, as we'll see, an inexpressible gift to us in the form of His Son. Our salvation is all of grace out of God's generosity, not of our merit. So if you're feeling undeserving or unworthy even this morning, then I think you're starting to get it. That you are really at heart unworthy. But let me tell you that salvation is a great gift. The, The inexpressible gift of God will actually change you on the inside. It will make you a new person. And as the Bible says, it will make you born again. So let's talk about that gift for a second. Paul continues, and I'll reread it right here near the end of this chapter. I'll start in verse 13. Paul says, By their approval of the service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from the confession of the Gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and all the others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift. Thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift. The inexpressible gift that Paul is mentioning here really summarizes what we should think of as the whole of God's grace through His Son, Jesus Christ. And its inexpressibility reminds us that it's not simply something we give thanks God to God for one day a year. Hey, we've had a great year, God. Um, November 26th, I'm coming for you. Thank you, God. But Paul is saying, hey, it's inexpressible in so much that it creates an entire lifestyle of thanksgiving which permeates and forms in us a deep abiding change in everything that we do in life. That's why Paul mentions in verse 13, and this is why I read verse 13, this is why Paul mentions the submission that the believers are um, experiencing and performing when they give. Because they're submitting their entire lives to generosity because they recognize the generosity of God's original great gift. And so, this is an acknowledgement to give thanks to God, to submit to Him. It's an acknowledgement that we are not our own, that we are really receivers. We are great receivers of a great gift in Christ. And because we confess these things in our own lives, we also proclaim Christ. So let me transition to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Um, if, you want to, if you would like to turn with me there, as we, as we kind of understand in a couple minutes what the, the idea behind and the concept behind the practice of communion is. 
In verse um, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23, uh, we'll read through verse 26, Paul talks about the, the practice of communion. What, what happens when we pass around, you know, in our case, grape juice and a cracker, and we consume it, and we say we remember Christ? What is happening there? Well, Paul says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when He was betrayed took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is My body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. In the same way, He also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in My blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of Me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. So he's describing a practice that the church has always done for now thousands of years. And what happens in communion? Well, first of all, we remember. We remember the goodness of God. And that's really what, what should happen during Thanksgiving every year and really every day of our lives is that we remember the goodness of God and the great gift of Christ's sacrifice on the cross so that we might be forgiven of our sins, that we might have an eternal destination with God and fellowship with Him. We remember all those things. Secondly, we receive it. I've been talking a lot about our generosity today, but let's remember of the great gifts we are receiving from God. And this is something that God has told us to do. He says, hey, receive this. Receive these things. Receive this in memory. And when you receive this uh, grape juice and when you receive this cracker, Remember that it's representing the grace and the mercies that you receive through Christ. And thirdly, as Paul says in verse 26, as often as you drink this bread and uh, eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. This is the end goal of, as I mentioned, of generosity. It's the end goal of the Christian's life to proclaim the death of Christ. And this is to this end. This is what we practice in communion. So I'm not going to ask the band to come up and we're going to play a worship song. We're going to distribute the elements and um, a couple pastors, Pastor Robert and Pastor John, will distribute. They'll come to you um, with the uh, cups right there and you'll, you'll see that there are two parts to it. Um, if you had communion with us a few months ago, you would be familiar with it. But um, the very top lip comes up and there's the cracker. And then the bottom um, seal comes up and there's the juice. Just a logistical explanation of, of that right there. But we would ask that, um, number one, that this is for Christians only. This is to celebrate the goodness of God. And if you're not a Christian, I would actually invite you to simply in this time when I pray to believe on the name of Christ. And we'll, we'll pray for that as well. Secondly, this is for the church only here. This is something that Paul tells us to do when you're gathered together. So it's not something to do when you're watching a, a live feed or when you're watching an archive later. This is something for the church to do when we gather together. This is a celebration we are able to do when we gather together. And um, thirdly, we would ask that you would, uh, when you receive the elements, that you would wait and then we will pray and then we will all partake together. So with that, let's go ahead and pray. Father, as we look at Your Scripture, we look at Your Word, we are reminded of the fact that the gifts we have and the grace we have through the death of Your Son, Jesus Christ, really is inexpressible. But Lord, let us at least try to express it. Lord, as we remember the 
sacrifice that you made and remember the grace that you ha uh, have intervened with in our life. And as we partake in these elements, we ask that, Lord, we would be in remembrance of you, that we would have our minds fixed on your goodness. And for anyone here who doesn't know Christ, who hasn't received his grace, that they would simply reach out to you, recognizing that it's simply in faith to reach out to you and to receive all your blessings. It's not of our own deserving, but it's simply by faith taking hold of what Christ did for them, so that they would approach you and say, Lord, I believe in your Son. I believe that He died on the cross for my own sins, and I believe that He rose again from the dead. And Lord, I ask that you would give us all the endurance to live out your goodness. And Lord, as we, even as we distribute these elements right now, that we, our minds would be fixed on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us in today's study. If you'd like to know more about us or where you can attend one of our services, you can find information online at www.ren.church. That's R-E-N dot church. Thanks for listening.